There are some great lines in our gospel today. As we just heard in our gospel, for example, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, we want, us to do, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. How about that? I mean, the audacity, like Jesus was an ancient Santa Claus or a vending machine, insert some coins, press a few request buttons, and instantly we get what we want. It's not the way it works. James and John also are acting like Jesus didn't already know what was best for them. They have it all figured out. And by extension, Jesus doesn't know what's best for us. And yet, many times, when I'm weary and maybe a little desperate, this kind of vending machine Jesus is found in my prayer life, I have to admit. Yes, sometimes my relationship with Jesus can be reduced to, Teacher, I want you to do for me and for others whatever I ask of you. And then when things don't go my way, sometimes all of us will have are tempted to lose faith. Maybe God is not listening. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for reasonable desires of the heart. We should. Jesus tells us to ask and we shall receive. But Jesus also gives us the Lord's Prayer, reminding us that every prayer request should also include the the phrase, thy will be done. In that simple phrase, thy will be done, we articulate an important belief that we trust that God has a perfect blueprint for our lives. And if we are open to his will, it will eventually lead us most especially to eternity with him, which is infinitely better than anything that we could ask for. Sometimes we just don't see it that way, do we? Most especially when it leads us to hardship and pain and suffering. Let me give you an example. My first parish I was put in charge of the RCIA program, working with converts to the faith. And I met a young Catholic man, who at the time was about my age, that had a budding future. He had invited his fiancée into the program. And what I noticed right away was that she wasn't into RCIA at all. And secondly, she was about as mean to him as he was nice to her. It just wasn't working. It didn't seem to be working out that would lead them to the altar. And in time, they broke off their engagement, which led this young man to a dark period in his life. He was grieving, and I could see that the loss of this relationship was also leading him to question his relationship with God, his faith. How could a loving God allow his life to fall to pieces? And as a young, inexperienced priest, I did my best, pleading with him to be patient and prayerful, that he would not suffer for suffering's sake. I reminded him that God prunes us at at times and corrects us, allowing us to experience the suffering of the cross so that greater good can come from it. But he didn't seem convinced as he walked out of my office that day when he came to see me, and I prayed for him as he left, as I worried that his sadness would lead him to despair. And as I was still pondering the hurt and pain of this young man, a friend of mine from college stopped into my office to say hi. She was young, smart, and beautiful. And suddenly I heard Matchmaker from Fiddle on the Roof playing furiously in my head. Okay, rarely does God work so blatantly for me, but... Maybe I I had it all wrong, or maybe I was right. After three attempts to get them together on a blind date, I was losing hope. So finally, as a last resort, 
I ask each of them to join me for dinner with a few other young adults, so it wasn't so obvious. And as I tried to maneuver them to sit together, one took a position on the left of me and one took a position on the right of me. Good grief, I thought. But Cupid had his way. A love connection somehow made its way up and over me. And, and over 20 years later, they are still happily married. Incidentally, incidentally, if you are single and you are young, don't ask. I resigned from matchmaking after that. It was way, way, way too stressful. So the experience of that previous broken relationship somehow helped him, prepared him for this future that God wanted him to have all along. It was a glorious wedding over which I was lucky enough, blessed enough to preside at her hometown church. And now they have a beautiful family with three kids who wouldn't exist had God's will not prevailed. And the oldest, my godson, is a college student, a very happy boilermaker this morning, I might add. <laughs> so it's amazing how God knows what is best for us when we can't even see it sometimes. Look how often in our spiritual lives, especially during times of intense grief and pain, our relationship with the Lord can look like, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And when things don't go the way we want them, how easy it is to spiritually implode. Sort of like a, you know, a, a, a friendly a person that's friendly to God when we get our way. We've all been there. Some of us so much, so much more than others. The loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, the loss of our health, or some terrible pain that we suffer from the death of a loved one. This wasn't what I had in mind. This isn't the blueprint that I forged for my life. This isn't the plan that I told you about. When did we agree that I was going to get cancer? When did we agree that I was going to lose my job? When did we agree that my spouse would leave me? We never agreed that I would suffer sickness or experience the death of someone so dear to my heart. No, the agreement was for you to do whatever I asked. Jesus says to James and John and subsequently to us, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am about to be baptized? Remember, James and John ask if they could sit at the right and the left of, of Jesus in the kingdom of God, a rather ambitious, arrogant request. Eventually, James and John accepted the cross of suffering, that cup of suffering. Jesus spoke about and enduring all kinds of suffering for the sake of the gospel. As true disciples, they would eventually understand Jesus' words, whoever wishes to be great among you will be the servant. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. This is the God that we believe in. Growing in discipleship involves accepting when God answers our prayers that he might not, actually, uh, not answer them exactly the way that we want. For when he answers our prayers, he reserves the right to tell us no, as frustrating as that sometimes can be. Could it be that our Father in heaven knows what is better for us than we do? And that this plan he has for us is better than we, what we could possibly fathom ourselves. 
I believe that he reminds us of this every time we come to Mass and share his body and blood. That is, he is never remote from us. He is never remote from our hardships. We all come to Mass each Sunday lugging crosses and wounds into this church. We all have prayers that we have lifted up to God over and over again. James and John remind us today that even if we can't see how God is working in our lives due to tragedy or stress or loss, he is working. And this reminds us that we have reason to hope and trust in God alone.